Today's episode of Seahawks Man to Man is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Seahawks tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal. See the view from where you are sitting and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last minute tickets. I think we just got to handle the lead better. Handle the lead better. Uh, uh, things were just too passive in the second half. Uh, guys weren't uh, entire. I feel like guys had to keep everything in front mentality instead of still making plays. Go out there and be just as aggressive as you was in the first half. And and uh, but you know those type of things uh, come with time and, and, and reps and whatnot. But you know the most important thing is that we got to win. Welcome back to another episode of Seahawks Man to Man podcast. What you guys just heard was Bradley McDougal breaking down what happened in the second half against the Atlanta Falcons. The Seahawks did end up winning 27-20. to And coming from Atlanta, we have Michael Sean Dugar. Mike, man, what is going on? Yeah, man, that was a weird half, man. I, I asked Bradley, you know, I just straight up, I just said, hey, man, what happened in the second half? It looked very different, you know, than the first half. First half, they were like, a completely different team on both sides of the ball. It's very rare that, like, both sides of the ball come out uh, looking completely different. Maybe, like, the offense can, like, not be pulling its weight or the defense can, you know, allow some big plays. But it was like, nah. Out of the Falcons and Seahawks to switch locker rooms at halftime, and it was it was very, very strange to see. I know some people have already kind of like, oh, no, it's a Pete Carroll team. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't buy that. I, I buy slow starts or – or something like that, but not like the whole team just coming, going full Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you know, right out of the gate. That was that was very strange. Yeah, it was strange. I actually was on Twitter at the time, and I saw a tweet from Ben Arthur, who writes for the Seattle PI, and he said at that point the Seahawks have yet to register a first down, and that was pretty insane because I think for the most part, I don't think they got a first down in that third quarter because the Atlanta Falcons, they were on a tier a tear trying to score a touchdown and just get back in the game, which ultimately they did do. What were some of your thoughts? So when I'm watching the game, I'm like, yo, why do these guys keep subbing in and out? Because we never really know if, like, a guy's hurt and that's why he's getting pulled or it's something like that. So, like, against uh, – who do I want to say? I want to say Cleveland. Against Cleveland, they were rotating all of the safeties. And we didn't – I didn't know if Tedrick was hurt or – or, you know, maybe when, when Leno came in that he got hurt, so that means Marquise was in. I wasn't sure until, you know, you kind of see all of them on the field together. Like, to, on Sunday, it was very similar. I was like, okay, Dwayne's not in. That's weird. Oh, Mike Ayupati's not in. That's weird. Oh, uh, all of a sudden, K.J. Wright's not in, and Cody Barton's in there. That's weird. And you kind of got to go case by case to see why that happened, because sometimes, like, a guy gets the wind knocked out of him, tweaks something, cramps up, which is what I think happened to Marquise Blair on Sunday. So I wasn't sure. I didn't want to draw too many conclusions. But when I saw Dwayne come right back in the game once, like, 
they like you mentioned, they were just poop in the third quarter. Dwayne comes in right after that, and he stays in the game. And I'm like, okay, that probably means that they pulled their left tackle because they were up 24 points. Not realizing that, like, hey, man, you can't do that. So when I when I saw that they were kind of, and I think they did that with a few other guys too. So that that made me concerned. Like, uh, hello, guys. I know the Falcons stink, but it's like they still have good players. Like even teams, like except for the Dolphins, right? You kind of got to throw them out of there. All the crappy teams do have some good players on them. So yeah, if you just put take your foot off the gas, which they it looks like they did, uh, both like mentally and like physically as a like a team then yeah you, you can get beat by anyone bro Chris they almost lost that game it feels like like how many, how many times did the kicker miss like 12 times uh you know that was a that was a questionable fumble uh by Devontae Freeman in the on the goal line like if if Austin Hooper catches that two point it's a completely different game like I was very concerned with like what caused like the second half to be that way because it seems like they played down to their opponent in the third quarter. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, and I had no idea that the Seahawks pulled Dwayne Brown in the second half, which to me makes no sense because it's it's only 24-0, and we saw what the Atlanta Falcons were able to do. It's not as if the Seahawks got possession the first in the second half, scored a touchdown, went up 31-0, then the Atlanta got the ball, and then they stopped them. That's not how the game went. It went Atlanta's going to receive in the second half, the first play from the line of scrimmage, they run a screen pass to Hooper, who makes a great catch and gets up the field for 42 yards. And I'm thinking, oh, Atlanta is not giving up right now. They still believe they have a chance. And ultimately, they got within nine points and had a chance to definitely tie the game up, if not even win the game at some point. And the Seahawks really have to figure out what kind of team they're going to be. I remember early on this season, you said the Seahawks love winning ugly. It still stands, and we are halfway through the season. Eight weeks in, the Seahawks still win these ugly games. And you look at the top teams in the NFL, the Patriots, the Niners, the Packers, they put teams away. I mean, we I don't know if you saw the score yet, but the Niners obliterated the – I can't even think of it – the Carolina Panthers, 51-13. to I mean, oh yeah, I did. I did see that. It looks like they beat up on Kyle Allen. I wonder if and, people still want uh, him in there instead of Cam Newton. And I'm, and I don't want to compare and contrast teams because every team's every team is different. We all know that, but the Seahawks have to find a way to put teams away. And I thought today it would be a little different. Matt Schaub at quarterback. The Seahawks defense is playing damn well in the first half. I mean, Shaquille Griffin had two great pass breakups. I'm still winning an interception from the guy, but for the most part, he has been all over the field making diving plays and a for sure tackler. But in that third quarter, I don't know what happened. It's as if they took their foot off the pedal and they can't do that. They got to they gotta just destroy these teams. Send a message. Send a message to the rest of the NFL, if not the NFC. Send a message that you got that the Seahawks are a for real opponent and shouldn't be taken lightly because a lot of teams, they might look at the Seahawks and think, well, we know they're going to start start hot, but in that second half, we can get back into the game with with, with the offense that we have. I mean, Julio Jones had a Julio-type day. Granted, they lost the game, but teams are starting to take 
I think they're taking notice of what the Seahawks are giving up and how they do it. And if they don't fix it, it could become an issue in an important game. I mean, we saw what happened in the playoffs against Dallas against the Dallas Cowboys. They couldn't make up it. They couldn't come back from that deficit. Turnovers here and there, couldn't get the stops they needed, ultimately ended their season. This year, it could be complete opposite. It could be the fact that they are scoring points. They are doing the right things in the first half, but then the second half, something happens. And hopefully that changes. If not, who knows what's going to be in store in the playoffs. Well, see, I think I think we know what happened, and that's why I'm so concerned. I think it was very similar to uh, what happened in Pittsburgh when Mason Rudolph came in the game. It was like, oh, cool, we ain't got to face Big Ben. We can kind of chill a little bit. No, you, know? you can't chill. <laughs> no, you, you can't you can't against anyone. Because anyway, that's the other part of this that's concerning. These the vets on this team know this at least i'm i'm pretty sure they know this like i'm pretty sure like guys like bradley know this i know bobby and kj know this i know russell knows this i know Dwayne knows this justin Britt, who wasn't out there because he got hurt and that sucks uh they they know this like they know you let up on anyone and you will get beat you go into a game thinking the other team is sweet you will get beat like they know that so maybe they got too many young guys who don't know that or angry angry. maybe they needed to feel it once or twice i don't know it's like they didn't lose today so i don't want to overreact too much uh but that the the why for the bad second half was like concerning for me if we're talking about just this game i'm just like man that's that's not what i would want to hear from like a champion a team like that wants to be champions you know this team wants to win a super bowl this isn't like some team like midway through a rebuild this is like no we got rough we got Pete, we got bobby Jadavian Clowney, Dwayne Brown, Tyler Lockett, we're going to go win a championship. And it's just like, oh, that's what you want to do? But you let Matt Schaub carve you up because you ain't respect him. <laughs> you, know what I, you know what I mean? Like, it was it was that part of it kind of ran, like, opposite to what they kind of preach in there. Like, oh, yeah, you know, every opportunity is a championship opportunity. And you come in against any team, you'll get, you get beat on any given Sunday. Uh, and then it was just like, oh. Y'all was trying to lose uh, to, to Matt Schaub. Like, I think the Falcons scored on, what, every possession in the second half? Uh, <laughs> oh, except for one. Except for the one Devontae Freeman fumbled on. Like, that's bad. Yeah. I mean, it probably doesn't mean much going forward. Like, they should still beat Tampa Bay next week, and then we'll go from there uh, see how Joey looks playing uh, in place of Justin Britt. But, yeah, when I'm looking at just this game individually, I'm like, wow, man, that really – like, we are blowing smoke, or is the message from the veterans not trickled all the way down to some of the other guys yet? I think it's the latter. Because I think guys like Bobby, Justin, and KJ, they all really talk that and believe it. Maybe some of the other guys are like, okay, cool. This is why they say stuff like that, because we was, we was almost, we was getting our butts whooped by the Falcons, who stink. Yeah, I to this point, I don't know if the Seahawks, I'm trying to think. Hmm... The Seahawks haven't played a complete game yet, have they? All season. Where it's just they got turnovers, they play great defense, everything worked. Um, I, the Rams? Even then. Uh maybe they're not and the so, Cardinals? Maybe the Seahawks are just not are not supposed to have that perfect game, I guess. And that's well, I so, thought the Browns game was good. I wouldn't say anything. Well, it's no pressure still. That <laughs> that was a 
Yeah, the pass rush wasn't wasn't there, but they got turnovers. They ran the ball really well. They threw the ball efficiently. Maybe Uh, I am being too critical. The defense like had three picks on Baker. I thought I thought that game was probably about it. They did it on the road too against another team that stinks but has good players. Like, that's important, man. These guys, like, you can still, like, the Browns are really bad. They still have Nick Chubb and Odell Beckham, right? You have to respect everyone in this league. Uh, another clip we could have used to start this show, Jermaine Effetti, uh telling me just that. He was like, look, man, everyone's out there getting paid, right? Like, come on, like, we're all professionals. You don't treat it like that, then that'll happen. So maybe they just needed a wake-up call. Maybe we're overreacting and they needed, they yeah. needed that in the middle of the season. Maybe it could just be that. Yeah, to my point, maybe I'm overreacting. I think they can play better, but it is what it is at this point. You did mention the fact that they did win on the road. Right now, the Seahawks are undefeated on the road this season, and that's usually different from how they usually play, where they are undefeated at home. This season, they're not undefeated at home. They've already lost two games, but have also won four games on the road, which is it's astonishing. I mean, they're really a good football team on the road, which is scary for an opponent who's going up against them because they haven't lost. How much of an advantage is that, Mike, do you think, as they progress through this season, especially when they get ready to take on the 49ers, which is going to be a good matchup? I don't think it matters too much just because they play to their opponent. Okay. Like, whether, wherever it's at. You know, like, they brought it against the Rams. They brought it They brought it too late against the uh, the Saints. It's weird. It's like they'll play down to whoever and like attempt to play up to whoever. So I'm not sure how much carryover it'll have. I think like Russ in these situations, I think they need to like use Russ a lot more. Like lean on, lean on him. Like he was the sec- the Falcon secondary is awful. Like he should have been just torching them, which he he was a little bit. You know, he kept picking on that dude who couldn't guard Tyler and. Uh, the Falcons, for some reason, just like, hey, we're just not going to guard DK Metcalf. Which, whatever, do you, bro. I think that's a bad idea. Uh, you know, But that was their plan. But I'm not sure how much carryover it would be because every game is just so different. And I think the circumstances of this one between them having a bad record, them not having Matt Ryan, having a, having a coach who's probably going to be fired by the time the podcast comes out. So all that stuff coming together is different than like oh the Tampa Bay Bucks stink next week but it's like oh okay they recognize that Mike Evans is you know a baller uh you know Godwin's a baller you know Jameis can light you up you know DB should get the judge machine out still but you know Jameis can light you up they got a, they got good assistance on both sides of the ball out there they have a head coach that's coming in Seattle and beat them before uh, so it's that, and that's all going to be different than the Niners game two weeks later. Like, yo, oh, you know, the the Niners are hot right now, so we got to be on our P's. You know, it's every game is different, so I'm not sure how much carryover it'll have. The only thing that, if it does have some, I think we should be for all the guys to be like, yo, if we're not on our A game, we are going to get our butt whipped. That's like the main thing that should carry over. No, I hear you on that. You got to be on your A game. Chris Carson, he had a fairly good day. 20 attempts, 90 yards, one touchdown. But before we got on live, you were mentioning that the Seahawks stopped giving him the ball initially and relied on other factors, Rush throwing the ball. Why would they make a change and stop running it when they were up big? 
I mean, I was it was good seeing Rashad Penny out there. He got a few touches as well today. What's why would they go away from Carson later in the game? That was weird. I I think they were still trying to get Chris involved. So like I'm looking at like their plays right now. So I think their first play. Oh dang! I still got the Cleveland game pulled up. Man, that was gonna <laughs> get real weird. I wasn't gonna make any sense in my analysis. But I'm pretty sure they came out running the ball against the Falcons in the second half. Like even they just weren't good at it. Like I think they had a third and three. Got stuff. Uh, yeah, no, you know what? Their first play was a run. Actually, the first play of the second half was was a run. Is it me or does uh, it or does it feel like they just they kind of shut it down once they punted the ball and Atlanta goes down and scores? I feel I know the. The video says otherwise, but doesn't it feel as if they stopped? And maybe it's just because Rashad Penny had eight touches today. No, I, I, don't, I think so. Like, here's their their first play from scrimmage after the, in the start of the second half. It's a run. The next play, it's a run. Both of those are to Chris, and then uh, Russell has to scramble, and then Russell's sacked. Yeah. And then, you know, I think they get they get the ball back. Okay, I'm on the right game now. First play <laughs> is a run. You know, to Chris. Next play is a pass. The next play is a run to Chris. So, like, they were still get trying to – they just weren't good at it. That was so weird for them to mentally kind of check out in that way, like mentally pull up. That was so, so bad. Like it, I, I mean, it is tough to play at a certain level when you're up three possessions, but these are professionals. They should know how to manage and play the game that they love they got to figure that out. You have to know that in the back of your head, this game ain't over until the fourth quarter hits zeros. Until then, I'm giving my effort. And I, as we mentioned earlier with Dwayne Brown coming out, maybe Dwayne Brown should say, nah, I got to keep playing. It's not over yet. But I don't know. Maybe do you know if he was, if there was this, if he might have been injured or was he really just coming out because the Seahawks were up big? So I can't really – I guess I should have uh, – explain that i can't really confirm that necessarily they were doing i just get that hunch got you you know like no one no like Dwayne didn't tell me that pete didn't say that um so i, I won't go that far I okay guess i should have should have made that clear i just i really feel strongly that that is what happened um, you know especially because you just look at the flow of the game they got up big they pulled Dwayne. they you know they their offense was pooped they put Dwayne right back in and Dwayne looked fine so i don't think it was an injury thing uh, I, I, Pete didn't really say it was an injury thing, so as far as I know, I missed like some of his press conference. So that one, I'm just like, oh, okay, that's just a hunch. I think the KJ and Cody swap, I think that was pre-planned. I don't think that determined, was determined by the score. I don't know about Mike Ayupati swapping for Jamarco Jones. And I think Bradley McDougal came in for a series in the second half of Marquise Blair because Marquise cramped up. So it might have only been just... Uh, Dwayne, but like even then, that's bad. That's yes. The most important lineman. Yes, you that's. Guys are <laughs> What's wrong with you guys? Yeah, that I I agree. You can't take him out. He is. He is on Russ's blind side, blocking Russ's for Russ's blind side. You got to make sure he's in at all costs, protecting your quarterback. You just paid the man millions of dollars. You gotta you gotta make sure he's able to throw the ball to your receivers and Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And Jerron Brown had a quiet day. Malik Turner with a huge catch. Interesting, to say the least. But I think it's time to do our favorite thing of the night, which is basically our Twitter questions. We want to thank, again, everybody out there that asks questions every week. We get tons of them. We got quite a few tonight. Uh, 
You ready, Mike? You ready for these questions? I'm always ready for the questions, man. Like you said, that's, our, that's my favorite part because, like, we we could talk about whatever we want, and we try to, like, get the theme of the game going. But, like, I really want to know what the people want to talk about. So let's get it. Let's get to the questions. Before we get to Twitter questions, long day at work, tough day at school, still stuck at the office, treat yourself to the meal you deserve, and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code HAWKS. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code HAWKS. Don't forget, that's promo code HAWKS for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. All right, here we go. First one is from Gerard Westby at MLT Hawk. Why does Schottenheimer make so many adjustments at the half when it was working so well in the first half? Do it until it doesn't work. Uh, I don't see. I don't think it was like a, a play call thing. I don't think there was a ton of like differences. They just weren't good at what they were trying to do. Like. Russ dropped back, couldn't find anyone, only scrambled for five yards. A third and three, you know, there's no one blocking the backside, and Grady Jarrett just comes in, boom. Um, oh, here's another thing, too. I think um, this is this is also, this isn't Pete's fault or whoever's fault. When they pulled Dwayne, right, George Fant comes in to play left tackle. But George had been coming in as an extra lineman. So the refs thought that George was coming in to be an extra blocker. So they lined up and ran the ball and got flagged for illegal formation because George was covered up at the line of scrimmage. Mm. That's wrong. George can be covered up because he's the left tackle. So they had that wrong. I don't know why Pete didn't fight that more. Uh, I listened to the broadcast. I think like I think it's Rondé Barber on the color. He I think he mentions it, but doesn't like he he says it. He's like, oh, George is the left tackle. I'm gonna leave that one alone. And it's just like, nah, man, call out the officials for getting it wrong. Because that, that put them on, like, first and 15, and you know how the Seahawks are when they, like, get behind schedule. Uh, so I think that was that was part of it, you know, when there's penalties. Uh, defensively, they had, like, I feel like Clowney was offsides, like, every drive. <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the second half, he was going full Michael Bennett, uh, which, is, which was crazy. So I, I don't think there was a lot of, like, second half, like, adjustments. And there were some stuff. Defensively, you could tell, like, using more of the screens, um, the tight end screens, the running back screens were getting a lot of yardage. They're getting a lot of yak because, like Bradley said, guys were keeping stuff in front of them. Uh, so I, I don't really want to blame Shoddy on that on that one. I mean, should he have used Russ more? Maybe. But I didn't think that was ever going to be part of the plan today. I thought the plan today would be run Chris and Rashad down their throat and throw when necessary, which is exactly what they did in the first half. Perfect. Next question is from Jeff Daly at Excessive Farce. I keep seeing people say things like, Pete Carroll is a great coach. And to be honest, I'm not sure I buy it anymore. What precisely is Pete good at at this point? Winning. <laughs> I mean, for real, he's good at winning. Like, look at the the winningest teams since since they drafted Russ. Go look at the winningest teams in the in the league. I think the Seahawks are like fourth, maybe. Like, they win. They win because of the coach. The players change. The assistants change. The culture does not change. The messaging does not change. People buy in to what Pete Carroll is saying. Part of that is because he has all that cachet from being USC's coach. And a lot of guys who are from the West Coast, especially, fell in love with those teams. 
And then if they didn't fall in love with those teams, they fell in love with the Legion of Boom teams. So as soon as you step in the door, you're buying what he's selling. But even then, the new guys, vets come in, they just buy what he's selling. They buy the finishing, always compete. Uh, fights is like, you know, a last blade of grass left. All those cliches, can't win the game in the first quarter or whatever, which, although they did win the game in the first half today. Uh, so they, they buy into that stuff. That stuff is all really hard. Because, like, you can look at some teams and, like, yeah, they'll be, they, the coach gets fired because they're bad, right? Like, Jay Gruden got fired because they're bad. Dan Quinn's going to get fired because they're bad. But a lot of the stuff you hear when those that happens is the coach has lost the locker room. Message has gotten stale. His players aren't playing for him anymore. You know, like stuff like that. That stuff doesn't happen to people. At least not like in the in the to the point that it affects the on field product. And then there's also this. What what the coaches are doing defensively and offensively, yeah, they design the, the, the schemes and the routes and the concepts, but it's all under like Pete's umbrella. Like Ken Norton just just makes stuff up. He follows guidelines given to him by Pete Carroll. Right, so and that that was the case with with Rashard and Gus Bradley and Dan Quinn, and it's the same thing offensively. Yeah, Bevel makes plays, Shotty calls the plays, and has like the overall game plan, but it's still like under like Pete Carroll's vision and philosophy and guidance. So yeah, he's good at those things. Well, the six and two. So yeah, Pete's Pete's a good coach. He's just bad at things that we can identify right away. Like, oh, you didn't go for it on fourth. That was bad. Oh, you used a timeout here. That was bad. Oh, you're playing this prevent defense right now. That's bad. He does those bad things that we can identify, but it's some of the other stuff we don't see that he is really good at that affects the on-field product. I mean, other than winning, obviously, we can all see that. Gotcha. Next up, we have Mr. Collins. He's returning for some – he has two questions. First one, he wants to know. Play GM for a second, Mike. You can make three moves before the deadline. What three do you make? And then as part two is – also, who are you buying stock in as a Seattle second half pleasant surprise performer? Um, that is a good question. That's two good questions. So, okay, first, if I'm going to put my GM hat on, hopefully it's a big, big hat because I just got new braids. So, regular hats are <laughs> not going to fit. So, I got my GM hat on. Cool. I got my Victory cigar. Cool. I got my John Snyder beard. This feels great. I'm driving a much nicer car now. So, this GM hat feels really cool. Um, my first move is I probably will get a tight end. I see what the Bengals will give me for Eifert. Hopefully, it's not it's not much. Um, that'd be nice. Just a small little upgrade at that spot. I know he has a poor injury history, which is why the price should be cheap. Uh, he he's still a good talent. He'd be their most talented tight end. Uh, so I, I like that move. Um, let's see. I would keep Rashad. Does that count as a move? Keeping let's let's cheat the game here. Uh, Rash- keeping Rashad counts as a so I would keep Rashad just because if like something happens to Chris Carson that is uh, you don't want to just have CJ and Travis as your backups Travis Homer that is those are those guys are decent backs from from what I can see but like I think Rashad can be a starter and produce like look what he did you know today behind a when the O line was in you know good shape even with Joey stubbing in. I think Rashad had eight carries for 55 yards, like really good average. So, and he had some explosive runs too. So, I would keep Rashad. Let's see, a third move. Um, I guess my third move would be if Trey Flowers is injured, like long term. We don't know what's up with his neck. Uh, if he's injured, you go get a corner because I don't think Nico and Akeem are your long term answers. They're long term and like for the rest of the season. 
Like, if Trey has to miss significant time, you go get you a corner. Got it. And that last part, who are you buying stock in as a Seattle second-half pleasant surprise performer? Ooh, that is a good – can I pick Can I pick Marquise Blair? I think that's a great pick. Why not? Yeah, I think I think if, if Marquise continues to play, I have no idea if he will. Well, I have an idea, but, like, I think – I think Marquise, Marquise is just a kind of a, he's a good playmaker. Like the, the fumble that he forced was good. I still don't really think that was a fumble, but you know, it's whatever. Uh, he had a, he had a couple of good open field uh, tackles uh, today. I, th- I think he's, he's going to be good if he continues to get more reps. Cause he's only going to get better. I think too. Um, DK wouldn't be a pleasant surprise, obviously. Cause he's you know, been good from the jump, but I think he's only going to get better. He's, randomly really good in the red zone but like not for the reasons you would think uh he gets a lot of red zone targets but it's not like a bunch of jump balls i don't know it's weird uh so i would if i had to pick a guy on both sides of the ball i think i'd i'd go there i think dk's into like gonna have a really good second half of the season all right next up nick skellington at nkdd96 is penny really on the trading block if yes how does today's performance affect what kind of return the Seahawks would get? Um, so the thing about trade rumors, we've talked about this on the show, is, uh, well, any rumor, that either it's true or someone wants you to believe it's true. So, like, if you get people like Rap or Schefter report and stuff like that, um, I just name dropped those two dudes like I know them. Uh, but if you get Rap and Chef talking about that, then it's probably true. Right? Like, they're not just going to put their career on the line, put something false out there. I will say this, the Seahawks are the type of team that would hear trade calls with just about anybody. Right? Like Tyler Lockett, Dwayne Brown, like if the price is right, I think they'll ship off anyone. Really, I, I really mean that. Like it would have to be something extreme, like the Falcons, you gave me this example earlier. Falcons call and say, hey man, we'll give you Julio, give us Tyler. And it's like, cool man, you want his poetry book too? <laughs> like, we'll, we'll, we'll ship it all over, over there. Uh, so yeah, I think they definitely have field, it would probably field calls on Chris Carson too, right? If the return was was uh was good enough you're getting someone like saquon or zeke or even like chubb uh who's probably a better back than chris arguably uh or dalvin cook uh so i think rashad is legitimately on the, the trade block but i don't think they'll they'll move him for the reasons that i said that i would keep him you just need that insurance policy like anything can happen to, to chris all it takes is one play when you give him the ball 20 times a game one of those plays could hurt him you know so i think he's as a backup, he's too valuable versus what you would get back, like a third-round pick or something. I don't know. So I don't know what you get back for Rashad. I don't know what the running back value trade market is out there. But, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade him. And I don't think what he did Sunday has any impact because if you're a team looking at Rashad, all you just need to know if he's healthy. How he looked today or Sunday doesn't really matter that much. Like, oh, is he healthy? Cool. We passed the physical. Great. Then we're taking a, you know, a first-round pick from uh, a year ago it doesn't really matter how good he looked in the Seahawks system it's like okay how good would he look for us and is he healthy enough to play that's really all that matters got it next up we have Thomas at Lil Taco 21 what is your favorite synonym for bad that you would use to describe how the Seahawks played in the second half and then his bonus question how does the Pac-12 crew that worked the coup game still have jobs in officiating how do I get that kind of job security when I graduate <laughs> <laughs> well, that type of job security is usually awarded to a certain demographic. Um, 
and I think I'll just leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's, that's my politically correct uh, way of uh, answering that. Um, the other part. Uh, what was the other part? Favorite synonym for bad using to describe the Seahawks' second half play. I know you're a big fan of using cheeks. <laughs> as a synonym for bad I kind of like uh, I'm a big fan of ass I like saying it's like yes I, I like garbage garbage is good too um I like saying hot garbage that's like probably one of my my favorites poop has been one that I've used lately but that's really only when I'm trying to be PG-13 if I'm just around people I'll use a lot more profanity uh yeah I'm big, big on ass um big on garbage hot garbage and boo boo <laughs> I like I like, I like boo boo. I started using boo boo more after that Kendrick Lamar song that was like uh, boo boo. Click, click next with boo boo. Yeah, that was just I don't know. It was it was, it was dope. It's catchy. So ever since then I've been yeah. Somehow he made boo boo catchy. So uh, I start I started using that again. All right. Our next question comes from Donna B at Walk In Girl. What would be the best position to shore up by the trade deadline? Uh, this goes back to the thing about Trey, actually. If it's if Trey's, I, I honestly don't know. I didn't uh, get to ask Pete about this. I will. Uh, but if if Trey is at all like seriously hurt, then you need a corner. That's just bottom. You got Shaq. Shaq's good. Shaq played really well again. Cause damn, he's good. Yes. Uh, man, I think Julio just had the one catch on him. I'm pretty sure. And then the pass the interference catch. Was, uh, yeah, yeah, it was an OPI that he he had, and that's a win for the defender, really. Uh, oh yeah, it's, a take a, it's basically an incompletion. Uh, nothing wrong with it. An incompletion that you probably caused by doing what you were supposed to do, which is similar to a pass breakup. So yeah, I thought I thought Shaq was a uh, really good. But yeah, if you need someone opposite him, Trey's going to be out for a while. I think the D line is about as talented as it, you're not going to get much more talent on D line than Ezekiel Ansa, Jadavian Clowney, Puna, and Jay Reed. Like that's a squad. If like. You're good there. You've already tried to fix it the secondary with another safety. Uh, you're good on offense. Your receivers are solid. DK's fine. Uh, Tyler Lock is fine. Yeah. Tight end and corner only if Trey's going to be out. Perfect. Our next question is from Jeremy Hush at Fire on Radio. Another two-part question. Do you think Pete has been trying to avoid putting certain schemes on tape in the first half of the season? Second half, four to eight games against the NFC West. It's part two question. Do you think this year Pete has managed players' injuries differently, especially against the AFC North teams? Um. Okay, the film thing. I don't. I don't think so. I know that that happens a lot. Like, you know, in the preseason, you're kind of vanilla. Uh, but I think my understanding of how guys do it is they just kind of go for it. I mean, you want your you, you, you cater your game plan to each team, right? That's for one. But the other part is that, like, you, if you construct your offense the right way, it'll just naturally evolve. Like, you'll do some stuff in week one, week two, and week three, and, you know, by the time it comes to week nine, if that team goes back and watches that, yeah, you may have shown them, like, this look and this formation and done this, but now you've grown to that. You can show that same look and that same formation and then have different things off of that, uh, too. So that's why guys who have a wide knowledge of the playbook are so important. Guys like Malik McDowell, or excuse me, guys like Malik Turner, and guys like Jerron Brown who kind of know every position on offense. Guys like that. Will Bisley was very similar. Luke Wilson's kind of like that uh, as well. 
so I I think that's what happens more often is like, hey, let's just let's keep this in the tuck for when we play the Chiefs. Sure, some of that stuff may may happen, but I don't think it's like noticeable to to an untrained eye, like even mine or someone that's a fan. What's the second part of that question? Second part is, do you think this year Pete has managed players' injuries differently, especially against the AFC North teams? Um, I don't think like the teams have influenced the decision that much. I think Dwayne Brown was maybe one of the bigger ones uh, in that like he probably shouldn't have played against the Rams, which is why he got uh, really hurt against the Rams. Uh, so I think that was the only time the, the, the opponent kind of factored in. I mean, it probably factors in every week, but I think the things that matter most are, A, how hurt is my guy? Like, how do you feel? Can your injury get worse if you play? You know, and then it's like, okay, where's the strength of our backup? Is the guy behind you? Is there a drop-off? If so, how significant is it? Is significant enough that we can get it done this week? Um, is it a situation where maybe, like, we should dress you without, you know, but we don't really want to play you. We'll play you in emergency. Like, DJ Fluker was just like that against the Ravens, I think. He he suited up. They started Jamarco, but if something went wrong, they could have just plugged DJ, DJ in. So I don't think it has anything to do with, like, the teams. I don't know how different that is than, than years past. Uh, you know, I know all guy, all the guys want to play all the time, but, you know, you got to listen to the doctors, not the players. Uh, so I don't think it's that different. I think those are the things that matter to Pete more than just, like, Hey man, we we can beat these guys without so and so, so let's rock. Like now, nah, you want to play your best players, but you don't want to play hurt guys who can get worse by going out there if you've got a decent backup. Like they threw George Fan out there against Miles Garrett. Like they they'll they'll play whoever. But I yeah, I don't think the the opponent has much to do with that. Hopefully, that's what the question was getting at, and hopefully, I did a good job answering. Got it. Our last question is from. Frail at Frail Bogale. Pete Carroll, question mark. What's wrong with him? That it? That's it? That's, that's the question? <laughs> that is it, man. <laughs> that is super open. We should ask for some specificity. Like, that was... That's, that's kind of open-ended. Like, you mean, like, what's wrong with his taste in music? What's wrong with his taste in shoes? What's wrong with his uh, political beliefs? What's wrong with, like... Uh, you know his haircut. Like, what are we talking about here? I don't, I don't, I don't know. If we're, I think, um, I think what's been interesting with Pete and the fan base is that, like, the, I, I kind of talked about it earlier. The things that he makes errors in, we are a, a lot more comfortable as both the media and uh, a fan base being critical of those things. Like, people are, are very comfortable being critical of his fourth down call. People are very uh, comfortable being critical of, like, his ability to adjust or critical of his offensive philosophy with the, the use of the running backs, how seldom he uses Russ um, when maybe other people would use him more. So I think that's been kind of fascinating to watch, but I don't necessarily think that makes... Because it's like people are louder with it and there's more access to those opinions via comment sections, social media... Uh, so on and so forth, uh, radio callers, whatever, text lines. I just still don't think that, that makes people right or makes people more wrong or makes Pete, you know, more wrong, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, I think people have always probably been critical of him for certain things, but at the end of the day, the dude wins. Like, you want, 
you want your team to win games and feel like they can, when they go on the field, they always have a shot against everybody. The Seahawks have quite literally been that way since they drafted Russell. They've had a chance against everyone. Like, anyone they've played, it's like, okay, we got a shot. Like, yeah, even if you lose, cool, but you had a shot. It's very rare that it's like, we have no chance of beating blank. Right? Like, that's that doesn't happen with a Pete Carroll coach team. And if he... If that's the trade-off, to then have like you know him misusing timeouts or challenges or whatever, if if that's what happens, if that's the trade-off, I think CR fans should take that because it could be a lot worse. You get some in-game genius whose team falls apart. You know, Doug Peterson uses analytics all the time over in Philly, and they've got they're pretty progressive in their thinking and all that. And then Orlando Scandrick got cut and was like, "Yeah, man, this put this that place is toxic." And you know, Zach Brown called out Kirk Cousins. Boom, one bad game. Zach Brown's unemployed. You know, Doug Peterson guarantees they're going to win. Oh, they lose. Now he's, uh, now he looks like an idiot, you know. Uh, you kind of wouldn't see similar stuff like that here. I mean, you could, but I think the way the Seahawks are run has a lot to do with Pete. And he has flaws. Like, you want a well-run organization because that's more sustainable than maybe some of the, like, in-game stuff that people get upset about. Perfect. Well, that is all of our Twitter questions. We want to thank everyone that asked. We appreciate the love and support. But before we get out of here, Mike, we got to give a hot take, man. What you got going on over there? Hot take time. Ah, man. I don't want to repeat my hot take. Someone asked me in my Q&A if I think uh, Shaq's on a Pro Bowl pace. I, I, I think so. He, he's got to get the ball in his hands a lot. A yeah, that would be tough to make a Pro Bowl without any interceptions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could you could have a lot of pass breakups, but, oh, man, I don't know. Should I do should I do one about, like, the rest of the league? That's fine. It's a hot take, Mike. It doesn't have to be Seahawks, man. It could be anything. You know the drill. Yeah, I, I don't – I'm not afraid of the 49ers. Like, I'm just not – I'm not sold. I don't know if that's a hot take, but I'm just, I'm just not – that's a pretty like, that's pretty hot. You're not sold on a 7049ers. I feel it. I'm sold on one side of the ball. And when I'm sold on one side of the ball, I'm very rarely sold on the entire team. Like I'm 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 a lot more sold on like the Saints. Like their defense is good and their offense is good. I mean, obviously getting Drew Brees back helps. But like that I'm a lot more confident. Unless you just like you're just like uh, last year's Chiefs were like, yeah, their, their defense was really bad. But it's like Patrick Mahomes was lighting the world on fire, so it really did not matter. Like, I, I did buy that. Like, the Patriots, I buy their defense, not really their offense. Uh, but Belichick's a genius, so it doesn't it doesn't matter. But, yeah, I, I need to see – I really just need to see Niners-Seahawks. That'll do it for me. Two that weeks? right there will be – Enough. I think the Niners are doing what they're supposed to do. They're beating up on like some quarterbacks who aren't very good. Uh, so, but have had some decent days against the Seahawks. So that's weird too. Uh, so, I don't. Maybe that's my hot take. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really sold yet on the Niners. That's fair. We want to thank everyone out there for listening to another episode of Seahawks Man to Man. You can follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and that's CKID206. Mike, man, we're gonna hit you up. Uh, you know, they can follow me on the tweet machine at Mike Dugar, M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. I'm verified, so, you know, not too hard to find. I'm wearing athletic gear. You know, I am a photo. Shout out to Reese who took the pic. So, uh, yeah, that's where they can, they can hit me up at. All right. Again, we appreciate the love and support. We'll talk to you later.
We out. Time to